0: Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, we're continuing our look inside the Pulitzers. Last week, we talked to Sue Craig, who was part of the team from the New York Times, awarded the Pulitzer for their reporting on Trump's businesses. This week, we're going to chat with Darren Bell, who won the Pulitzer Prize for editorial cartooning for his work about Trump and other things. Darren, welcome to The Kicker. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Congratulations! Um, tell me about Monday. Tell me about Monday at three o'clock. Like, how did that go down? Where were you?
1: Well, I was in the newsroom of the Washington Post. They they called me on Friday and asked if they could fly me out to DC. <laughs> and I asked, I asked why, and they said, "Well, I'm supposed to be surprised." so <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's like that's like the worst lie ever like hey we're gonna fly yeah. you but we're we're not gonna tell you uh what's gonna surprise you yeah well, okay so, so I, go I, ahead
2: so
1: you know we we all sort of pretended like i like i had no idea what was going on and um you know but but we all i mean everybody was saying congratulations so
0: so, but at what point did did you connect the dots? Was it in that uh, that conversation when they called, or when did you actually like, all right, well, this is what this is, and then how do you process that?
1: Well, I I connected the dots when when my phone rang and I saw my editor's name on it, uh-huh. and I and I knew that the Pulitzer announcements were going to be in a couple days, yeah. and she had just sent me an email that morning telling me to make sure I keep my phone on because. Just in case I win, someone's going to call me.
0: Uh-huh. And then, so what was that like? So you had the weekend to think about this, and then you had all day Monday until the afternoon <laughs> announcement. Um, what What was going through your head?
1: The first few minutes, it was just it was just a, a bit of shock. Um, I mean it's it's been a, it's been a long time coming, so it's it's not like it, it's not like a it's not like it's my first year and I yeah um, hit a grand slam. You know, <laughs> my my first my first at bat. Yeah. It's been 24 years of, of hard work and, um, you know, a lot of times not knowing if I was getting any recognition other than from my, from my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause well, I, which is know, important. At home, which is very important. Very <laughs> important. Especially if she's listening.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, but your point is good. I mean, you have received, you've won the, um, the Kennedy journalism award for editorial cartooning, which is a big deal. You've won the Berryman Award, so this isn't your. To your point, it's not like this has just come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, but I, it, it just it the it's it's just an immense honor, and it, I didn't really I didn't really expect um, expect to to feel to feel calm. It, it's just a tremendous sense of validation. Like I I've been doing it right these past 24 years I've okay. been doing my job right hmm that's that's the feeling I got
0: and you know it's so interesting because if you look at if you look at your work um, going back to I mean you started doing this when you were a little kid and then you did it at the uh, Berkeley paper and then you had um, these two strips Canterville and Rudy Park I mean you've been you've been writing and commenting on um, a lot about race and about sort of um you know, communities that don't get as much attention as others, and communities that, that are under uh, stress. You, you, you. Ultimately, won the Pulitzer though for a selection of cartoons that was heavily skewed towards national politics and Trump. Did you find it to be ironic or annoying or, or like somewhat like slightly out of the the core area of what you tend to write about?
1: Well, not not really. I. I tend to write about the same thing um, every time I pick up my pen, which, uh-huh. is, um, which is human dignity.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And, and that comes in so many different forms. It, it comes in the form of stories about police brutality, mm-hmm. about unarmed black men being shot, about um, immigrants being separated from their children and uh, children disappearing for years at a time, and the government having no... No care about them, mm-hmm. no, no plan or anything. Um, and Donald Trump, I think, is the embodiment of the denial of human dignity. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I try to put that, I try to put that theme into every, every critique of, of Donald Trump that I have because I think that's the heart of the matter. That's 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 the reason he is a corrosive effect has a corrosive effect on this country he's he's coarsening the country he's he's making it okay to deny people their dignity and so i i'm proud that i that i won for cartoons that mainly dealt with trump Mm -hmm. because i i think that i think they i think they saw what i was going for in those in in the work
0: yeah um, I'm, i 'm I'm not supposed to go into this in detail but I, I i I should tell you that I was a judge on the cartoon uh, category this year um, oh well, and, <laughs> bless you <laughs> <laughs> um, and that um that passion really came through um the point that you 're just making i mean there as you can imagine um, a lot of the submissions were about trump, in fact the majority but um right you know, I think this, this, this overall sense of sort of outrage that you have really was, really stood out.
1: Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm glad I was, I'm glad I, I'm glad I was right about that.
0: Yeah. For, for people who don't know about you and your work, uh, you, you, you've, you've been wanting to do this since you were like, literally like a toddler, right? You've been car- drawing and, and making cartoons.
1: Well, yeah, I, my my mom taught me to draw when I was three, um, probably to to stop me from scrolling on the walls. Mm-hmm. She she gave me paper and she taught me all the techniques that I would ever need.
0: You grew up um, in for, you grew up in LA? I
1: did. Okay. I did. Um, yeah, and we we weren't we were we were sort of on the wrong side of the track. Um, but I was bused to the to the right side every day for school and I was very shy. Um, partly because of where I came from and I, and I was sitting in school with the children of of movie stars. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And we just, just say you're, you're African-American and the school was primarily white.
1: It was primarily white. Yeah. And, and um, I was one of only two African-Americans in the class. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kept my head down and I, I just drew cartoons the whole time. And, and I would pass this was, I was shy, but the way I interacted with people was I would draw cartoons about whatever the teacher was saying, and I'd pass them around class.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and then quickly, and, quickly get in a lot of trouble.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. well, actually, no, because <laughs> the, the teacher, when the teacher found out about it, the teacher loved it.
0: Oh, that's great. So you got away with it because you had talent.
1: Right. right. <laughs> and I had forgotten all about this until my elementary school reunion 20 years later, Everybody was telling me they still have the cartoons oh that.
0: that's hilarious <laughs> that's hilarious, so luckily yeah. you didn't like wad them up and throw them at people. You actually pass them so they can they can hang on to them that's what I was known for so you you this is interesting though because you so you were this was a way for you to express yourself. Did you find it a way to kind of um talk about stuff through your cartoons that you weren't comfortable in talking to people about?
1: yeah, I mean I think you know in retrospect, these were political cartoons. Uh-huh. About what was happening in class, about the power dynamics, you know, about the personalities, um, making fun of something that just happened at recess,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and putting it in a, in a different life, light. If something, I, I remember, I would try to, I would try to make people laugh about something bad that just happened, mm-hmm. and, I, and try to lift their day, try to lift their spirits a little bit.
0: So, do you feel? Do you still feel that now? Do you still have that sense of? Um... You, you see yourself as an outsider who expresses himself through his art like this?
1: I do. I think that's probably why I haven't applied to be. I, I've never really tried to be on staff mm-hmm. at a newspaper. Mm-hmm. I, I like working. I guess I like working by myself in my studio and, and where I'm free to critique things that the editorial board doesn't really agree with. Mm-hmm. And send it to and send it out and see which paper buys it.
0: And, and what have you learned? What have you learned about what the kind of? Um, I mean, we, we at CJR we're we're we just happen to be spending a lot of time looking at um, graphic art and cartoons around the world, uh, specifically used by people who use cartoons to say things that you can't say in those countries that sometimes repressive regimes. Um, similarly, what do you find in terms of like stuff that you can say because you have this medium that you don't find that, that newspapers here are, still are comfortable with writing about?
1: Um, well, I've, I've been taking advantage of that through my comic strip, Canderville and through my editorial cartoons for 24 years. I mean, it's, it's that old saying in a, in a tyrannical kingdom, only the jester can tell the truth. hmm so I, I've I've hit on a lot of a lot of uncomfortable truths. It's a lot easier in America than it is in, in other countries. Correct. Yeah. I'm I'm a lot less likely to to be arrested or to be to be persecuted or to be um, you know, to be to be harmed violent, you know, physically because of what I say. That's why that's why my column strip's called Canderville because I, I talk about whatever's on my mind, whether I think People are going to be happy to hear it or not, mm-hmm. and usually there, there's a mix of people who are not, but there are a lot of people who who are glad that that at least at least somebody in the newspaper is talking about it. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think probably one of the reasons um, that your work stands out so much is you just you know you 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 write about things that other people are unwilling to write about. You're the first African American cartoonist to win this award in the history of the Pulitzers. And I must say, uh, looking at the nominations, we were really struck by how um, homogenous a group in general um, this is. Why is that? Why is the cartooning world so, not only is it so white, but it's so um, middle-aged white man?
1: I think that's, I think it's because that's largely who the editors are uh-huh. at the at Mainstream Papers. Um, we I, I've been told since I was since I started out in the mid nineties, I've been told we don't think our readers are gonna identify with this mm-hmm. because the main character is black.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um somebody even somebody even told me, Why don't you change them to animals? Oh my god. And and I thought so so you think people can identify more with animals than they can with black people.
2: Wow.
1: That's that's ridiculous. So I I just refuse to accept that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's... Uh, I, I think if editors gave their readers a chance, they'd find that they're wrong. Because I most of the fan mail I get is from people who, who start out by saying, you probably wouldn't expect me to be reading your strip. Mm-hmm. And then they, they go on to say, but I'm a 40 or, or 50 or 70-year-old white man. Mm-hmm. And I love you. So, so every time somebody somebody writes to me and says you probably wouldn't expect me to be a fan. I just write back and say of course I would. You I think you're my demographic. <laughs>
2: um,
0: I mean the point you make about, you know, if you just give people a chance and this and the, the stories are there. I mean that's the story of diversity in general in journalism, which is um, the, the stories are better the more the diverse the the, the people who are writing it is. But it's a it's a it's a topic that i mean it, it it's a point that has been very slow to sink in for most American media
2: it
1: has i mean and they might be right to some extent I'm sure readers I'm sure there are a lot of readers who glance at the strip and keep, and keep moving
2: mm-hmm. because
1: they don't think it'll appeal to them but after a few months you know they'll they'll start to read it and they'll start to to see things in it that they identify with and you know, they'll, they'll start to, they'll start to think that they'll start to realize that, um, you know, people who don't look like them, uh, can say something that's meaningful to them.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: when it comes to, to the editorial cartoons, people usually, usually don't know what my, what my ethnicity is.
0: Right. Right. Uh, no, that's true. Um, ha- have you changed the way, uh, specifically, When when I'm thinking about Trump, I mean, your your portrayal of him is, um, you know, he's, he, he's one thing, the thing that I thought was funniest that kept recurring is this like crazy, ridiculous long tie that goes like all the way down to his feet, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) Um, And of course, like everybody keys on his hair. um, But I mean, I think you, you know, you really succeeded in, because a lot of people just portray him as a complete uh you know whatever goofball or or a, a sort of ridiculous figure yours um your work there there's definitely a kind of a very dark edge to his clown clownness you know what i mean um yeah um have you um how how have you evolved in your thinking about how to portray him because it sort of gets to this bigger question of like how much airtime do we give him and how do we think about um, you know, when do we just repeat what he says, despite its ridiculousness? And and in your case, like, how do you portray him in a way that conveys the sort of real damage that he's doing? As your as your thinking evolved, have you changed the way that you approach him?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think I've I focus less on on how he looks and more on how he on how his actions make me feel uh-huh. and. Also, I, I think I've, I've gone from, I've gone from thinking that he's the cause of, of, of our divisions and, and of what's going wrong with the country, to thinking he's just a, a representation. He's a he's a manifestation
2: mm-hmm.
1: of of a of a rot that already existed in this country.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think I, I, it's funny that you mentioned clown because. After a while I, when I started when I thought about Donald Trump I would think about and this might sound silly I would think about the Joker yeah from, yeah. from Batman
0: Yeah no that comes through
1: Yeah and and the Joker I I don't know if you're familiar with um with, with Batman I I haven't read much in in years but if the Joker seems to he can never be killed because he's he's a manifestation of Everything that's wrong with Gotham.
0: Oh, so interesting. Yeah, and
1: you know, and Donald Trump. So he's more—he's less a villain than he is, like a a demon or or a or one of the one of the deadly sins.
0: Right. He's just sort of a—he's an evil id.
1: Right. Right. And so that's that's how I that's how I've come to draw come to draw Donald Trump. He's sort of the the evil id that that we've all that that's corrupting America's soul.
0: How uh, finally, like, what is is this is this a good particularly good time to be doing editorial cartoons? I mean, um, one of the finalists uh, this year was somebody who was actually fired um, for his cartoons. Yeah, for his cartoons. Um, which, on the one hand, you could look at it and say, well, that's terrible. On the other hand, you could look at it and say. Well, that's awesome because it shows the power of these things, and you know that that people would be so afraid that he would get fired. What is your sense of, cart- editorial cartoons in the in the culture as a as a means of commenting on this like incredibly bizarre, scary time that we're living in?
1: Well, I I think they're more they're more important than ever. Um, I mean, human beings are hardwired to process things through imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, the first the first way we had to express ourselves was through cave paintings. Human language, uh, written language began as hieroglyphics. Um, we've had cartoons ever since then. And when when something horrible happens to a child, you, you give them a paper and some crayons and you ask them to, to draw what happened.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it, it helps them process it. And there's art therapy for adults as well. Yeah. And I think editorial cartoons at their heart at their at their at their essence what they are is art therapy yeah um, whether they make you laugh or not they help you process what's happening
0: yeah well Darren thanks a lot for um, joining us it was a terrific conversation and um, um, congratulations again
1: thank you I, I, I enjoyed it
0: all right um, so you can check out all of our Pulitzer coverage on cjr.org. Um, and also everything else that we do on the website. Pay particular attention to two events that we have coming up. Um, with, with, w- there's links for them on the website. One is about coverage of climate change and what journalists should be doing to better reflect what's going on with, with, with the environment. And the other one is a look at um, ethics uh, and technology, which will be a kickoff event that we'll be having in May. So take a look at those. Thanks for listening. See you next week.